Greetings, and welcome to the 80 Level Roundtable Podcast. In each episode, host Kirill Tokarev invites video game industry leaders to talk about the world of game development. No topic is off limits as long as it relates to video game development. New episodes are in the works, so remember to follow us or subscribe and share with someone you know will also enjoy the podcast. Hi, and uh, welcome to 80 Level Roundtable, uh, where we discuss the latest trends in the video game industry and 3D art. And today we have with us uh, Sue Bos, who's going to talk a little bit about his career and how he got into uh, game development. So, Sue, before we start, could you do like a little intro and tell a little bit about yourself? Where are you coming from? Where are you now? And like, what's your story? Sure. Uh, hey guys, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, my name is Shiv. I'm a 3D artist, uh, 3D environment artist based in Toronto. Uh, currently, I'm working as a biomes artist on Far Cry 6 at Ubisoft. Uh, previously, I worked on another game at Ubisoft, uh, which came out in 2018, called Starlink Battle for Atlas, uh, where I worked as a hard surface artist. Uh, and before that, I graduated from uh, Seneca College in 2017. Uh, yeah, and I was there for like three years doing uh, uh, art and animation program. So can you tell us a little bit about like, the, how did you get to Seneca and uh, what is the process like? How do you apply and uh, what, what is the tuition, if you can share that? And uh, what do they actually teach there? Sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, actually, before I uh, got into the like art, I was actually a computer programmer and back in India. And but then I was uh, I was always interested in like video games and art in general. So I decided to like explore it as a career option. So uh, in Seneca, they had like a good three-year program where they like go into all the fundamentals of art, such as uh, like light drawing composition, um, storyboarding, these things. And then uh, there's like a final year where you can specialize in a certain field. And for me, I chose game art for my specialization. And uh, getting in was, uh, it was not that complicated. So they do require a portfolio with uh, several like drawings, perspective drawings, composition, some light drawings. And uh, like the other normal stuff, like uh, application letter, and uh, oh yeah, and they do have an art test. It was it was all it was pretty basic, uh, and getting in was not that difficult. Uh, yeah, the tuition because I was uh, I came to Canada as an international student, so the tuition was actually kind of expensive for me because um, for uh, local students it's like uh, so. For three years, it's like around twenty-five thousand uh, Canadian dollars. For me, it was like double that much, uh, so like fifty dollars. And uh, why? Why is that? Uh, it's like something that all the school, all the colleges have here, where the tuition for international students is uh, higher than that for domestic students. So, my question is like, do you see the like the value of investing all that money into this kind of education? Do you think it kind of worked out? Uh, I'd say for me, I found it 
uh, pretty useful because uh, I pursued art as an hobby before, but then I didn't have any formal training in it. And uh, learning all like the all the art fundamentals for uh, a couple of years that really helped me build up the foundation. And so, like when I transitioned to three D later, I found that useful. But I definitely say that it's uh, totally possible to do like an online course or do self learning to learn all these things if you have like the drive uh, and motivation for it. It's definitely possible. So you had an opportunity to study in. Toronto, right? And Toronto is also a place where there's a bunch of game studios as well. So I'm wondering how does the university work with different um, kind of employers there? Like, uh, do they come to your classes? Do they do some kind of like seminars? Do they do portfolio reviews? Or are you basically left to your own devices when you kind of graduate? So uh, in my final year, when I was uh, doing game, uh, when I was specializing in game art, we did have uh, both GameLoft and Ubisoft come in and uh, just talk about their projects and how it is working there uh, and like uh, their hiring process, like and how someone who's still in college can get in. Yeah, and that was uh, it was quite useful because. Uh, it was like nice to talk with people who are uh, work, who've been working in the industry for a while, and just like uh, because most of them also started out uh, fresh at some point, and it's like it's nice to get their perspective on that. Also, we had like several mm, people teaching their part time who are also like working full time in the industry, so they also had like some uh, a very useful insight to share. Yeah, I'd say it was a uh, the college did help. Uh, I, th I think it's great when you have teachers who are also like working in this industry. It seems like uh, they would give you a lot of advice, not only on the like the work itself, but also on the way the studios work, the way the work is kind of organized and those kind of things, right? Because it seems to me it's not enough to just know the software, but you also have to know how does it work inside a company. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, because uh, the program there, uh, the gaming program there was structured around uh, the workflow. I mean, it's not always up to date because uh, uh, like the workflows and pipelines in the industry are always evolving, right? And uh, sometimes it's a little bit outdated, but overall the course was structured kind of like how uh, game project would uh, how the uh, workflow would uh, would actually happen in the industry yeah, so it was kind of like specifically designed for that so can you tell us a little bit about your process uh, on getting the first project that you were doing like the Starlink uh, so how did you get there like how many uh, how many jobs did you apply before that and uh, how was the whole project kind of like streamlined because it's super interesting to learn like what do you need to do and what you don't need to do during those interviews art tests and all the other stuff sure uh so the way i uh, i got into ubisoft it was a bit different because while i was still in my final semester uh ubisoft toronto they have this uh 
art kind of like an art competition every year which is called the ubisoft next and they have like several different categories like animation uh, 3d modeling etc and uh, so I, I took part in that and basically they give you like a description of like a scene that you have to build in unreal engine and uh, it changes every year and you have like uh, around two three months to do it so my during my last few months in college i actually like, focused most of my energy on it and uh, i was actually a finalist in the competition so that gave me like an interview with ubisoft and a chance to like talk to the art directors there and get my uh, portfolio reviewed and uh, that's how i got an internship there and which uh, after like six months of working there it uh, turned into like full-time contract yeah so that, that's it, how i got in it seems like it's a very kind of challenging process and there are a lot of steps that you need to take just to get an internship so my question is are there a lot of people who are kind of willing to work there but are kind of being rejected uh yeah uh, i'd say for uh, students that first uh, breakthrough is it's kind of difficult like for me it went like this with the ubisoft NXT contest and for some of my friends uh, they they were like they got into the industry in different ways so they went the normal route which is like applying to a bunch of studios doing art tests and interviewing there uh, yeah but like because uh, when you don't have experience then uh, and like as a student obviously your portfolio sometimes won't be as uh, as like uh, good as people who've been working in the industry for a while so yeah, it's definitely that first breakthrough is definitely uh, challenging. Interesting, because um, like here on eighty level, where we often publish a lot of student work, and a lot of that work is of very high quality, right? It it looks almost as if it was done as like in like a triple A studio. Definitely something that could go from uh, a double A studio right so it's interesting to see that even though the quality of the work might be high there's still a lot of competition to get like into into the company but um you you yourself like uh what would you say were the main benefits of getting this first job like what did you like about it what did you like about this project what was kind of like you know encouraging and uh inspiring uh, sure. Uh, yeah, first of all, like uh, what you said, that's totally, I totally agree with that. Like some of the best uh, works I'd have seen recently were made by students. Uh, but it's also like uh, the competition is very high because at that entry level, there's a lot of people wanting to get in. And yeah, people who uh, like produce really good work definitely like uh, have a lot, have an easier time uh, getting that first breakthrough. Uh, but, but yeah, about the project. So, uh, when I first started out, it was on Starlink, and uh, it was actually like uh, quite a big uh, start, like quite a sudden start for me. Because uh, usually, when uh, jun for junior artists, they like start out with modeling very simple stuff. But because uh, it was like a smaller project and like a very small team, so uh, uh, like the very first task I was given was like modeling a weapon which is like a bit more complex than the prop set I was used to modeling in school before. So yeah, I had to like step up quite a bit and like learn a lot of new things. 
but uh, then also it's like nice to work uh, in a place like Ubisoft because you have all these like talented people around you and uh, you can like learn a lot by just asking them questions and getting their help when you're stuck on something. So uh, that's something I'd say is like compared to like uh, working on a project by myself where like sometimes I might get stuck on something and I have to find help online. It definitely helps uh, in like working in a studio where you can just reach out to other artists. So when you're choosing um, a studio you want to work for, um, what are the things that kind of influence your decision? So do you, are you mostly interested in the project that you're working on? Are you interested in the, like the name of the company or uh, are you interested in like compensation package or stuff like that? Like what are the main driving factors for students and just for younger professionals who are choosing what place to work for? Uh, yeah, so I would say the project is definitely uh, uh, important part of uh, the decision. For me, um, it's like if I like the art style of that, uh, com like the games the company makes, and uh, also like the work culture is quite important, uh, I think. And uh, I mean, for students, they don't always have uh, a lot of choice because uh, a lot of studios, they uh, need like a certain amount of experience or like certain level of portfolio before you can get in there. Uh, so uh, yeah, overall, I'd say like uh, the project, the work culture, these things are definitely like the, some of the most important things for me. How big are like the internal teams in like big studios that are working on games like Starlink? Because um, we heard like a lot of different stories from different companies. Like in some companies, they rely a lot on outsourcing. I know that Ubisoft is not like that. They usually want to keep most of the work done in-house. So I'm wondering how many people do you actually need to build like a game like in Toronto? Uh, yeah, so for Starlink, the team was quite smaller than uh, other projects at Ubisoft. So it was around like, at least when I, I started at quite late, uh, like during a late phase of the project, because it had already been ongoing for several years. But then at that time, I would say there were around 50 people. And uh, there was definitely some work that which was outsourced, but uh, yeah, most of it was done in-house. But compared to like the project uh, I'm on right now, which is Far Cry, it was like a much smaller team. Interesting. So um, tell us about how did you get this jump from like Starlink to Far Cry? Like how did this happen? And what helped you kind of make that move? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, when Starlink was, uh, or about to uh, enter beta. Uh, so I was like thinking about what I can do next. Uh, and I actually, uh, so one of the art directors, like associate art directors uh, on uh, Far Cry was uh, Billy, who you had on your podcast. So he was the head of the biomes team. And I was always interested in like learning vegetation and wanting to try it out. So I asked him if he uh, was looking for people. And then, yeah, that's how I ended up on working as a biotitist. 
so would you say that like um internal hiring in like big corporations is very strong so a lot of it it seems like that a lot of people are migrating from one project to the other inside like big corporations that they don't have intentions to leave sort of like the company uh yeah totally uh there's a lot of like people moving around between projects and even from like uh ubisoft branches in like other cities or other countries yeah there's definitely a lot of like uh people moving around and it's it's a bit easier to like than like compared to like going to a different studio so like you can still like stay in the same studio and work on different stuff yeah it makes sense i think especially since you have like you're more comfortable there you kind of already know some people so it's easier to kind of get acquainted to the new thing and plus the studio knows you as well and they kind of understand like how much you can produce and when and so on so <clears throat> my question um my next question is um you know when you're a student you have uh basically more time on your hands right to mm-hmm. polish your work to do some changes iterations to play around with the render and if you don't like even one little thing then you kind of can redo it right but when you're um, on production you don't have that luxury right and sometimes you're very much pressed for time so my question is how do you balance like speed and quality and how do you make sure that you deliver uh great stuff but uh do not sacrifice like the way it looks and the quality overall uh yeah sure so um i would say like for me it's usually the first phase of the like when i'm new on a project and i'm like still learning the workflow and the tools that time uh that's like the most intense part because there's like you have there's a lot of like self learning involved i mean there's always people around who can help you if you like get stuck on anything but um and then i'd say afterwards it, it gets easier when once you become more comfortable with the workflow and uh, yeah but there's definitely like a lot of self learning they have like a lot of tools and documentation to help you out but like uh uh like like learning anything new right it can be a bit challenging in the beginning but yeah i definitely have to put in like a bit more time and energy when i'm like uh, new on a project I guess it's like all all about like self learning and self improvement, right? Yeah, definitely. So, I guess one of the things that can help artists uh to build stuff faster especially in in vegetation that that kind of stuff like natural things uh is the are are basically the new tools that you have, right? So, uh there's Petri there's uh, a lot of stuff that you can buy from Max scans and use uh so my question is do you guys rely on those kind of libraries in your production or do you prefer to do everything on your own or take stuff like from the existing library that you already have and like in the studio yeah uh so at Ubisoft uh like we don't uh use like 
suppose uh, you mentioned speed tree, right? So we use speed tree, the software for building stuff, but uh, not like the trees they have on their store. So, but we do reuse a lot of stuff. Like sometimes it's from previous projects. Sometimes it's uh, from the same project, but like uh, a previous iteration done by some other artist. And like uh, Megascans is a, obviously it's like a very useful resource. The, we also have like uh, internal database of scans, which were like done specifically for the project. And uh, yeah, those are very useful as well. So yeah, like uh, I, I'd say it's very important to like uh, leverage those tools whenever possible and not like do everything from scratch. Uh, yeah, it speeds up the process a lot. It's, I think it's great that you're working for like a bigger uh, corporation where they kind of have a lot of the like the base that you can start with, right? So you don't have to go and build a tree from the ground up, right? You can just use something that was done before, freshen it up, like add new stuff and so on. So I, I guess that also helps save a lot of time that you have on your hands, right? Yeah, I mean, most of the time we do end up uh, building it, uh, not from scratch, but like uh, from the ground up. But yeah, like whenever some resource is available that can be used without compromising the quality or look in any way, that's definitely a plus. Like at least for my personal work, uh, I only build the stuff I absolutely have to. And like whenever I can like find something on like Megascans or Marketplace, I use that. By the way, can I ask like how's your... Um... I know a lot of artists, they also like to practice uh, 3D and, you know, their craft at home. So do you still have time to work on some of your personal projects or are you like fully into like the, the game development right now? Uh, no, I, I'm definitely uh, try to like work on personal projects too. The challenge is like finishing them, but yeah, I've started like so many over the past few years. Because, uh, I mean, it's great uh, working uh, on an actual game production, but like for a personal project, like you have more control over the final look and what the subject matter that you're uh, trying to make, right? So yeah, it's uh, I'd say like, uh, it's like one of my big interests as well. Interesting, yeah, it's very cool. And you've been also working a little bit with photogrammetry, so um there there is a lot of and there has been a lot of thought about that photogrammetry might be the thing that finally kills modeling and 3d modeling in general um so what's your take on this do you think this is the tech that's gonna kind of move 3d modelers out of business and everything's gonna be scanned or do you think there's still kind of like uh area for like improvement in 3D modeling and the photogrammetry is just like an additional tool. Um, I would say that it's like a really great tool and uh, I don't think it's gonna completely replace modeling, but it's like definitely uh, the workflow is evolving a lot, especially when it comes to organic stuff and things that are naturally occurring and can be scanned. There's still a lot of things which like uh, are not possible to scan or even if it's possible to scan, it's not or like going through all the trouble cleaning it up and getting it production ready when it can be modeled much easily. But for uh, stuff like uh, rocks and vegetation, like foliage, yeah, it's like a it's like a really useful tool. 
So when you're like experimenting and you're doing your own projects, so what are the tools that you usually choose to work with? So do you prefer to work more with like Blender or do you choose Maya? Do you want to work with Unity or uh, Unreal? Like what are like the main kind of go-to programs that you like to tinker with? Yeah, sure. Uh, so for for the game engine, uh, uh, I use Unreal. I haven't really used Unity. I definitely like to learn it, but like so far I've been using Unreal. Uh, yeah, and it's like a, Unreal is such a cool engine and it's always adding new features. So it's like, yeah, it's quite enough like trying to like keep up with all the features they're adding. And uh, for uh, production, I'd say uh, I use uh, 3ds Max for modeling. And things like speed tree and uh, substance for texturing. And uh, recently, I've been playing around with uh, Pixel Mixer. And besides that, yeah, I try to use like Mega Scans as much as possible to like uh, not all, not directly all the time, but like uh, as a base, and then build on top of it. And then Unreal Marketplace assets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, Real Marketplace is actually getting some really high quality uh, props recently. There is like some stuff that it's like you know like it, it, it's it's almost like super photorealistic and something that you would expect to find in a game like like Last of Us Two or something you know it's like very high quality. But um, I want to ask a little bit about like the the Quixel mixer and um, uh, what do you think about the software because. Um, I don't think that there is a lot of uh, people right now using it, and and I'm wondering why. Like because it seems like such an interesting, kind of easy texturing tool. Um, so what do you think about it? Like what what are the advantages or kind of disadvantages of this tech? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I used. Uh, I've actually only started using it recently, and for like my last person project. Uh, before that, I was like working completely in Substance. So I would say the biggest advantage of using Mixer is like its integration with Megascans. So it has like the Megascan bridge kind of like built directly into it. And uh, with just one click, you can bring stuff into your uh, current project. And uh, then also like the exporting and those uh, workflows are pretty simple as well. Uh, but otherwise, I, I, uh, I guess the reason a lot of people aren't using it, like it's not so mainstream so far, is because it's still in beta. So it's it can be a little bit buggy sometimes. Like uh, I found a few instances where like uh, I changed the color in some color of something, and then like I opened the file later and it reverted back. So just a small box which I kind of like expected. Uh, I'm sure when they do a full release of it, it'll be all uh, it'll be all like fixed and production ready. Uh, uh yeah but that's like the only drawback of iphone so far but uh and also like they're missing a few things like uh i didn't find an easy way to like work with opacity in mixer which is like for my project i need a lot of it for decals and stuff and uh their opacity workflow is like a bit difficult to understand so for mm -hmm. those things uh yeah i still prefer using substance so and what about like the the modeling software so um, have you, I mean, it, it, it sounds like a cheesy question, but have you tried Blender? 
Have you worked at it? What do you think about it? Uh, do you think it has some capacity to become like an um, industry standard to rival Max or Maya? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I haven't I haven't used it myself, but um, I've been thinking about learning it because I see people like produce really really cool stuff with it, and it also seems to have like a really good like rendering tool in it as well. Um, and uh, like uh, I'm sure there's like a lot of studios which use it and uh, I'm glad that we're like moving in that direction because like 3D software is, um, like the Autodesk products can be like really expensive for uh, suppose someone who's like wants to just like do freelance or something uh, so yeah Blender is definitely like uh, something I'm interested in learning so are uh, like are recruiters asking about Blender when you're kind of doing interviews, or or they're not? Um, in my experience, like uh, the modeling software, it's kind of like left up to the uh, like artist what software they're comfortable in, because uh, like most studios will have their pipelines built into a specific software, uh, but then. Even then, you can just build it in whatever software. Like, suppose you can build it in Blender and like finish modeling there, and then just export it out and bring it into something like Maya or VS Max, and then use the the studio's tools to like bring it into the game engine. So yeah, it's kind of like uh, open-ended in that way. Like the modeling software, uh, I'm sure like uh, even at big studios, a lot of people might use Blender. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So um. I have a question about like the the whole kind of community in Toronto. Like, are, are there a lot of uh, people who actually want to be uh, game developers? So, is there like um, a large community of people that are like getting together and doing stuff together and so on? Because I know that like in Los Angeles and like in Santa Monica, there are like a lot of hangout groups and uh, we'll. People it, it used to there used to be before like the pandemic, right? Where people kind of get together and uh, discuss their work, discuss uh, you know whatever they uh, like about this um, the whole industry. So are, are those things happening in uh, Toronto as well? Uh, yeah, this is like one thing I'm not uh, very like informed about, but there's definitely uh, events and those things that uh, used to happen like before COVID. And because uh, Ubisoft a lot of time could participate in them as well, where uh, like there, there'd be like things like game jams where a uh, few students get together and like create a game in a few days and like things like that. Yeah. So what do you think drives people to, to work in this industry? Because, um, <clears throat> it uh, it seems like a little bit of a mystery, right? Because it's not really uh, you're not making that much money. At the same time, it's very stressful, and sometimes there's uh, a, a lot of work that you need to do, right? Uh, but still, people kind of prefer this to a lot of other, you would say, more stable work out there with better pay. So. Why do you think people are kind of like striving and getting into this and continue to build games? Uh, sure. So from my perspective, uh, because uh, like I said before, I, I, I'm actually from like a computer programming background. I actually worked for a few years in a software company. 
but then that was which was like uh, it wasn't bad but then uh, i would say like the biggest uh, driving factor for most people is like they like making art they like like uh, they like producing uh, art and uh, which is like uh, and game art for me was like uh, a bit more appealing especially like environment art because like i wasn't like super interested in doing characters but then environment art is like something which i even when playing games i really appreciated environments and just like when I first learned, learned uh, Unreal, just like playing around in it and building stuff. Yeah, that was like uh, insanely fun for me. So yeah, just, that's why that's, I'm, I'm guessing that's like the biggest motivation factor for me. So um, what are your plans like for the future? So do you want to continue and build like bigger projects like with big companies? Do you want to uh, try to build your own game? Because it seems like, like every uh, at, at least like a lot of uh, environment artists that I know, they actually want to build their own project, right? And they they are just waiting like for the right time, or they are building some prototypes and stuff. So what's what's your story? Do you want to go into like indie game production, or do you prefer to stay like with bigger companies for now? Um, I haven't really thought about it that much for. Uh game production because uh, for to like uh, programming and the tech stuff is like a big part of the game besides the art, right? And I'm not really like uh, well versed in that. So I haven't really thought about that so much. But like uh, one thing uh, I'm interested in is because uh, Unreal is slowly kind of like being used uh, for like real-time rendering and film and uh, stuff like that. Uh, and I'm, that's like something I'm interested in exploring. Got it. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I wish you all the best like, in your career. And thank you so much for joining. And um, for those listening, we'll add the links in the description to the video. So you could check out like the article that we did and uh, the portfolio and the links uh, to your art station. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 Level Roundtable podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP. And share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.